This is a Reconstructionist Radio production. Please visit calcedon.edu. That's C-H-A-L-C-E-D-O-N dot E-D-U to download this book in PDF format or to purchase this book. The Cure of Souls, Recovering the Biblical Doctrine of Confession by Rusus John Rushduni. Copyright 2007, Mark R. Rushduni. Published by Calcedon Ross House Books. P.O. Box 158, Vallecito, California, 95251. All rights reserved. The Cure of Souls, Recovering the Biblical Doctrine of Confession by R.J. Rushdeny. Chapter 43, Marital Counselling. The two areas of major concern to people who seek pastoral counselling are money and marriage. In citing marriage, all sexual problems are included for the simple reason that, for a Christian, marriage is the norm. All non-marital sexual activity is a departure from it. The variety of opinions on sex, marriage and divorce are distressingly many. To cite one opinion, earnestly held by at least one pastor, it is affirmed that any sexual act with any woman immediately establishes marriage and the obligation to go through the marriage rite. The justification for this is found in 1 Corinthians 6.15-16. Quote, Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. End quote. Now this is marvellous logic, but it has no warrant in scripture. Our union with Christ, Charles Hodge said, is a community of life. The purpose of marriage is a community of life between a godly man and woman. It is a violation of God's purpose for sexuality to join our bodies to a whore. Others, Catholic and Protestant, have concluded from Matthew 19.3 and verses following that Christ forbids divorce. Moreover, they insist on reading fornication as the same as adultery. In Institutes of Biblical Law, I made it clear that the meanings are very, very different. Moreover, some hold all remarriages of women wrongfully divorced constitute adultery on the part not of the woman, but of the new husband, Matthew 19.9 as does remarriage by the man securing the divorce. Again, the meaning of this depends entirely on the word fornication, which is broader by far than adultery. Our Lord, in Mark 7.21, clearly differentiates between the two. Fornication does mean sexual conduct between unmarried persons. It applies also to sexual sins in general. But what does it mean in marriage? If our Lord had meant adultery, he would have said so. The death penalty for adultery was already a part of the law. Leviticus 20.10 is very clear, and all our Lord's hearers knew of it. Fornication meant rebelliousness against God and his authority in any sphere. It is equated with uncleanness and covetousness in Ephesians 5.3, and so on and on. Its meaning is a broad one. It means persistent ungodliness. Having said this, we must ask another question. To whom does this law apply? For example, 
God forbids his holy people to eat any animal that dies of itself. But many peoples then and since have enjoyed such foods. The law reads thus, quote, You shall not eat of anything that dieth of itself. Thou shalt give it unto the stranger that is in thy gates, that he may eat it. Or thou mayest sell it unto an alien, for thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. End quote. From Deuteronomy 14.21 In brief, God does not expect the ungodly to live as the godly do. His law for all men is, Thou shalt not commit adultery. From Exodus 20.14 But God also know, knows the adulterous hearts of fallen men. We must recognise that there is a difference between godly and ungodly marriages. Very clearly, godly marriage is covenantal from Malachi 2.14. A people in covenant with God will marry covenantally. At this point, Roman Catholics, and here and there some Protestant churches, have recognised the difference between a covenantal marriage and a non-covenantal, however varied their terminology. Thus, Roman Catholics have not recognised the validity of marriages contracted outside the church, so that the marriage so made is a nullity, as is the divorce. The person has not been truly married. The validity of this stand is that a difference between godly and ungodly marriages is recognised. The fallacy is that a church membership and covenant status are equated, a false assumption. In the 1920s and 1930s, and to a limited degree in the 1950s, more than one fallen away Catholic or Protestant would return to the church to seek a bride because he wanted a virgin. His motives were clearly not covenantal. In one instance in the 1920s, a pastor, suspicious of the young man, insisted that he undergo a medical examination before any premarital counselling. It was quickly discovered that he was venereally diseased. The marriage was cancelled and the pastor was sued, but won. Several other related instances can be cited. I know of several where a godly girl simply married a man out of shame, feeling she had no other choice because he had raped and or seduced her. Could such marriages by any stretch of the imagination be called covenantal? They may be legal in civil law, but how can we call them valid before God? Why look only at the divorce action and not at the original act and all the abuse between marriage and the end thereof? How can the law of God be invoked to validate a lawless marriage? One woman, savagely abused by her husband and her daughter molested, was turned away by all the churches in one small city save one, where a courageous pastor helped her gain a divorce and a favourable settlement. I heard today of a woman beaten and robbed by two hoodlums who kept repeating to them, Jesus loves you. The two black men were evil. This white woman was blasphemous. It is not blasphemy to approach marriage, which is totally alien to God's covenant, as though it were a covenantal relationship rather than an ungodly one. Some men and some women have spent their marital lives doing evil one to the other. Can we call it a godly marriage because neither one committed adultery? In one marriage, the husband would stand by the window, watch the women going by and masturbate openly. Was this a covenantal marriage? And was the wife bound to her husband until he committed adultery? Was this not a form of fornication and a desertion of his duties as a husband? 
Paul sees the believing partner in marriage as free if the unbelieving depart, from 1 Corinthians 7.15. To depart from a marriage has, over the generations, meant not only a physical departure, but also a departure from one's duties. It has meant willful non-support, drunkenness, and so on. But the new Phariseeism will have none of this. It is holier than God when it comes to divorce. God divorced himself of faithless Israel, but our modern Pharisees will have a Christian remain in ungodly bondage no matter what takes place. I have found a correlation between such Phariseeism and child abuse. The Westminster Shorter Catechism tells us that man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. To suffer lawlessness is no way to glorify God. Basic to the Bible is God's covenant with man. Every sphere of life is either a covenant sphere or a lawless one. We have no place in the sphere of lawless and uncovenanted life. To condemn men and women to a lifelong bondage to an evil person whose great pleasure is to defile a righteous person is evil. And too many churches exalt evil as holiness. Marital counselling is thus too often especially evil because it does not begin with the fact of the covenant. The church has much confessing to do. This is the end of chapter 43. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.